0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: I'll tell you where we first met. Where did we first meet? At a GQ party. Facts. Oh, actually, tell that story. Right. You said to me... You smell like weed. And I said, I am weed. And then you go...
0: everyone, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How are we doing this week? I hope you guys are doing well. Um, Let's just get right out the gate and get our girl out of the week, out of the week, out of the way. Um, The girl for this week is going to be, you know her, you... You know her, Teddy Mellencamp, former Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Now, she just announced a new podcast. This will be the second of her podcasts. Apparently, she's got one called Teddy T. (laughs) Okay, but she just announced that she is going to be doing a true crime podcast called Real Time Crime. Now, when I heard about this, I saw the picture for the cover art and the uh, podcast description. Honestly, like, I thought this was a parody. I thought it was something from The Onion or maybe Reductress, and I had to do my Googles myself. I was like, there's, there's no possible way. Like, somebody's actually joking. This is a Photoshop. But no, it's real. It's absolutely real. So do you guys want to hear the podcast description? If you don't, sorry, it's as follows. Are you obsessed with solving crimes? Are you a sleuth for the truth with a self-awarded PhD in Unsolved Mysteries? Do you believe that you should be giving an FYI to the FBI? Do the detectives label it a cold case while you're just getting warmed up? Then you need to join Leah Lamar and Teddy Millicamp on the Real Time Crime Podcast, where each episode will discuss all the details of a high profile case and uncover the 411 of the 911. Ah! <laughs> so my girl is maybe not so much to Teddy, because this morning I had a bit of a revelation, you guys. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I have been getting on my Instagram's For You page constantly every day for the past couple weeks these videos, reels, or whatever, TikToks brought over to Instagram of Charlie D'Amelio, right? That's her last name. So. I did TikTok the wrong way. I think everybody got into it at the beginning of of the pandemic, and I avoided it like the plague until maybe around the holidays, maybe a, a year into it, and now I'm, like, super into it, right? Did it all wrong. And so I knew about Charlie, and I know that they have a Hulu show, and I know all that, and I understood that there were two of them, One of them is dating a guy who, like, I don't understand why more people aren't calling him a Lego, because that's what he looks like to me. Like, I can't shake it. Um, And then there's another one, right? So I decided, okay, let me actually just look at her TikToks. And so I knew that they weren't for me, but I didn't understand how much they weren't for me. So I I go and I'm looking and you can, like, on the TikTok interface, you can look at their top liked videos. So I looked through a couple of those. I'm like, okay, I want to see the hits. I want to understand what's going on with this girl. And this child, one of her top liked videos, I guess all she does is dances, right? All she does are just TikTok viral dances. This one... This particular one, and you'll see it on my Twitter if you want to go to my Twitter. It's at Cara B tweets. She's in this beautiful blue dress. She's in a nice bathroom. And she's doing a dance to um, Sean Paul. And is that, I, I, I just, it was so white. <laughs> like, like, think of a dance hall song. We all know that they are supposed to be hips ass winding dutty whining if you will and she was going at this choreography like she was about to audition for the Dallas Cowboys cheerleading or like a lesser team I'm not I know the Dallas Cowboys cheerleading squad is highly coveted positions and well respected so whatever like a c string team like I don't want to shade anybody, but the first thing that comes to mind is the Baltimore Ravens. And literally, don't be offended because I know nothing about football or who's ranked who. They could be the top team in the country for 10 years, and I would have no idea. I honestly don't know. She looks like a third string cheerleading, uh, cheerleader who needs to audition is my point. So then my revelation was as follows. Should we be mad? <clears throat> at people like Teddy or Charlie who are just chronically average not unlike myself and who get bags find themselves into millions and millions of dollars being incredibly average or should we be mad at the people who are putting who are lining their pockets and i think it should be the the former no the latter <laughs> probably it should be both but the latter um so i'm not mad at Charlie for being so dreadfully incredibly average in every possible way this chick is now apparently according to celebrity net worth worth eight million dollars i don't know their backstory i don't know she could i'm sure she is a, a child of rich parents and opportunity and i get that and that's like another conversation to be had but with that being said I, as an incredibly average person, if somebody wanted to hand me money, I would say, yes, please. Thank you. And I could just be myself. I don't have to be exceptional. Yeah, I'll take that. So I guess my girl is to people who give other people who don't deserve it opportunities. Because there are a lot more people. Like, why? And, you know, to further my point about Teddy's podcast, 2021 is the year that we're all living in, right? Who? At this podcast network, and I'm not going to say the name, y'all can look it up. It's one of the biggest podcast networks out there. Who was the person who said, You know what, we need <laughs> two rich white ladies who think that they are better than the FBI and who are going to gab and uncover the quote 411 of the 911? Who wrote that? Who why? I thought we all had a conversation about true crime. I thought we all had a conversation about, like, whatever's already out there, we're good. We don't need any more. That really goes for every podcast, but specifically in the true crime drama. Like, they've got it. We don't need a single other one. And you know what? Uh, on another note, what another thing that I don't need is people from a show that's been on 10 to 15 or 5 or 3 years ago that was canceled or or ended— Coming back to recap their old episodes, I don't care. I'm sorry. (laughs) Is anybody really like those? Like, I listened to the one with the office chicks, whatever it's called, the one with Angela and um, Pam and it was, like, good and reminiscent for the first couple months. And then I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, and now I'm seeing on the charts this whole boom of the guy from Gilmore Girls, the ladies from the OC, no shade. But it's all these, like, people from One Tree Hill. And, like, do you guys want to do this? It just seems like I know it's a cash grab, but it's also just, like, I just know. Ugh, I hate to say that podcasting is hard. Why am I even talking to <laughs> I'll go get through my point quickly. I'd, I'd, I'm not going to be... I'll be remiss if I say that podcasting is hard. It's not easy. But I won't say that it's hard. What it, The difficult part is the dedication and the consistency. And that can, for people who don't want to do this, get old really quickly. And the spark is gone. And, and you really get when people lose their passion for this. So... I don't know. Maybe the girls for all of us. Maybe the girls for society as a whole. (laughs) Anyway. um, What else do we have to talk about? Oh, you guys. Big things. So many big things. Breakups, makeups, all happening within the past 24 hours. Um, First of all, I want to talk about this alleged situation with uh, Lala and Randall of Vanderpump Rules. So last week or last night, actually people started putting together some pieces at first it came out that Randall was in Nashville he was spotted multiple times going into hotels or hanging out at the bar with two women neither of them were Lala right apparently these people who spotted him said that as soon as he could recognize that people were recognizing him he like kind of freaked out and left and you know, he, he, there are pictures of him going to the elevator banks with these women, presumably to go to a room, right? So then if you want to mosey on over to, uh, Lala's Instagram, it might still be up at this point. She posts a video of her and two men ahead of her, one of which who is pushing baby ocean, uh, clearly at the Beverly Hills hotel. It's like the, you could tell by the decor, um, and the song is Sorry by Beyonce from her hit album Lemonade. So we can all assume that we know the contents of Lemonade. I'm sure all of you guys know Sorry. So very interesting and pointed subtweeting. Now, the problem and the complication, if you want to say that, comes with a few things. She deleted all her pictures of, of Rand but she has done that multiple times they don't follow each other but they haven't in for most of their relationship from what i'm uh from what i understand so you know and also i guess somebody said that she, uh, randall had posted at around the same time lala was posting from the beverly hills hotel making it seem like she had moved out of the house that rand had posted on his instagram story with ocean their child so people were thinking well maybe the timelines are not matching maybe she's posting the shit and this, it was a different occasion and then she also posted on her Instagram account a, <laughs> it, on her stories a picture of her with a crown on so the presumption being that <laughs> um, that uh, <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> the presumption being that I totally lost it. I just got a message, and it just, like, totally threw me off track. I knew I shouldn't have looked at it while I was talking. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. So, anyway, I can't possibly devote more time to talking about this unless we get a definitive answer. But it sounds like there might be trouble in paradise between Lala and Randall. Um, You know, I feel bad for Ocean. Uh, With that being said, you know, there's a famous quote, uh, how you get them is how you lose them. So something to think about. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's move on to a happier note. Um, two things, I guess. So what you're about to hear are two segments coming up after this. One, I had this great conversation with Claire Parker of the Celebrity Memoir Book Club podcast. We talked about a few things that are happening out there in the news, one of them being the Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox interview. Uh, But within our conversation, obviously there was a lot of threading in of Travis and Courtney, who, you know, we recorded this Sunday afternoon. Hours later, we find out that, you know, Jeff Latham showed the fuck out on a beach in Montecito and did a heart-shaped rose and candle situation. And Travis, who looked like Jack Skellington, got down on one D and popped the question to Courtney. It's official guys of, of our summer couples. Kravis is one, I guess. And the ring. Oh, he did that. It's, I don't really like a big ring. Not that I'm ever going to get one, but, but I, it's beautiful. It is gorgeous. It's looks as big as Kim's engagement ring with Kanye. Um, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. My ex-boyfriend has excellent taste and congrats to them. I personally feel nothing. I, I, there's a video I have posted on Instagram uh, at everyone's business but mine. The video of uh, of uh, Travis dropping down to one knee. And then a video that Kim posted on her Instagram stories that I posted on my page, which is of Courtney and Travis making out. But shout out to you, Kim. You knew exactly what I needed personally, which is show us the ring, girl. So she made sure to do a zoom up on that ring, a slow down so we could see it. And yeah, that shit is banging i love seeing what these sort of like quote-unquote alt couples pick when it comes to their wedding stuff because that ring is so traditional like i think if mgk pops the question to megan fox it's gonna be like a diamond that he somehow injected with his own blood and semen or whatever just you know you know what i mean (laughs) So I was really surprised at how traditional and nice it was just a, a beautiful solitaire. Um, so yeah, congrats guys. I, like I said, I, I feel absolutely nothing. It didn't even, and listen, I will cry at a wedding. I cried at Raquel, uh, you know, linking herself to poor James Kennedy, the white Kanye West forever. That made me cry. Happy tears, actually not sad ones. Um, Yeah, so the fact that this made me feel nothing, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still predicting that we're going to get a pregnancy announcement by the holidays. So looking forward to that. Um, What else? I think that's it. Yeah, so after this, I'm going to have a conversation with Claire about some hot topics that have been happening. And then after that, you're going to hear a recap of the latest episode of Real Housewives of Potomac. So... Check it out, you guys! If you are interested in my Patreon, this week I am going to be doing a recap of the Brittany Murphy HBO Max docuseries series that came out last week. So you can find me at patreon.com/slash ebbm podcast. All right, and with that, let's. All move right, on welcome, guys. We're starting the first of hopefully many of these. Um, joint hot topic sessions here at the top of the episode at Everyone's Business But Mine. Join with me for the inaugural episode is Claire Parker of the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Hello. Hi, thank
1: you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about these topics.
0: (laughs) I I love, I usually like do these by myself. um, And I was like, gosh, I really want something, someone to talk about these things with. So I'm really excited as well. how my first question for you is you you do a podcast of course about celebrity memoirs what for you makes like a good or bad memoir and also are you discriminating or do you have you like made the choice to open up your mind to people who you may not regularly be interested in
1: so okay so we started doing celebrity memoirs specifically because we were doing the Britney Spears podcast and then when the free Britney movement stopped we were like okay we don't want to be part of like putting somebody in a prison of media so we were like if we're doing memoirs it's like ethical consumption of pop culture that's our feeling on it so for us a good memoir has like the celebrity gossip we want first and last names we want the true story Mm -hmm. I also think it doesn't it focuses on your life in the public as we know it a problem I see is like sometimes I know I read um, Lynn Spears's memoir for example And the first two or three (laughs) chapters are about her grandparents and her parents and how they like got to America and their experience like building a family and a home. And I'm like, okay, well, you are barely of interest. Please do not give me your childhood. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) We came here for something very specific, Lynn, and that was not it. So,
1: yeah, a good memoir doesn't pretend that they had an interesting, like, life or something to give you. A good memoir is like, listen, we know why you're here, and we're gonna give you like. The Dirt, who, um, Janice Dickinson, great memoir. She, mm, yeah models, I think, really live in this special place where they're around celebrities all the time, but they themselves are not being PR'd to the max and they don't feel like their lives are under scrutiny. So they'll give you all the gossip. She was great. I think the Playboy girls all tend to know that you really want to know about Playboy so they get right to the good stuff.
0: Who would you say of the three was your favorite book-wise?
1: It's tough. I guess Kendra, because I think Kendra as a person has nothing to lose. I think she's like lacking shame. And I think she has no like internal conflict about who she is. She was a stripper before she got in the mansion. She was in the mansion to make money and see what else she could do. She has no problem being like, I was a sex worker then. I'm a sex worker now. Uh, I used to do, she was addicted to drugs by the time she was 13. She just tells it like it is. Holly really feels like she's still telling herself a narrative hmm And that she, and so that comes through in the book to me. Like, I felt like the book was somewhat dishonest and kind of, like, blamey of the other girls because she has a lot of work to do in therapy. The best books are people who have been to therapy and so they can look back with, like, closure and say how it really right. was and not live in the lies they're still telling themselves.
0: Yeah, she had just started doing a rewatch of season one of Girls Next Door on her YouTube channel. And it's really interesting to see how she frames it. I. Her book is like on my short list of books that I want to read. So I'm really curious to like compare what she's talking about now on her YouTube channel because like the vibe is very, I don't really want to watch this because it's just bad memories for me um, versus her book. I'm very curious about that.
1: Well, in the book, she talks a lot about being angry that no matter what she does, she can't escape the girls next door like umbrella she's like no matter what I do I'm always considered that playboy girl and I'm like okay well this memoir is called down the bunny or Dabbit the rabbit hole so it is an allusion right. to that she also has this idea that like she's never been able to escape it despite all of her talent and skill and hard work and I'm kind of like well it's not like you have a music career I mean right. <laughs> your, your cachet in society is that you, we are interested in you because you were in the girls next door you know, I mean, you're not right. Olivia Rodrigo breaking out of the High School Musical bubble. You are, right? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, in the same way that Snooki is still the girl from the Jersey Shore. If you become famous for nothing, that's what you're famous for now. Unless you come up with a secondary thing, you can't really ask more of your audience.
0: Right. There's a fine line between like being a willing participant on a show and then being sort of uh, resentful of it after the fact. Yeah. Like, it's. It's tough. Like, I can get how it can be annoying, but also, maybe, like, it's a situational thing, I guess.
1: Exactly. And I and I get that I'm sure in the same way that, like, Ross from Friends is tired of, call, of people calling him Ross. But for right. Holly Madison specifically, <laughs> I felt like she was like, here I was, the star of a Las Vegas revu- review, and no one could think of me as anything besides a Playboy bunny. And I'm like, well, you didn't sing and dance your way to the top. You got there because of the hype you get from being in that TV show. So don't sit here and take other people's jobs because of the platform you were given and then present the platform. You wouldn't have gotten it without that TV show.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, do you really want to be like, who would you compare popular Las Vegas talent to? Like Chris Angel? Is that what you want
1: to be? (laughs) I mean, they dated, so maybe. Oh,
0: exactly. Like remove yourself as far away from that situation as you possibly can.
1: And she's funny Uh, because she doesn't talk about her childhood in her book at all. So there is a part of her that knows she only, she's like a one trick pony. She's not somebody who even has deluded herself into being like, there's other interesting things about me. She's like, I have one story to tell and I can't believe you guys want to hear it again, but I'll tell you for money. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Okay, well, it sounds like not much
0: has changed maybe. (laughs) So so this summer for me was like the summer of the alt boy Mm -hmm. girl relationships. Did you have a favorite out of the three? I'm going to include Bennifer in this just because they were so impactful. Yes. Um, But between like... MGK and Megan Fox, Courtney and Travis and Beniford did you have a favorite of the couple?
1: Yes, um, I think by default Courtney and Travis I like I I believe them as a couple. I can understand why they get along. I actually think both in like a lifestyle wise and a personality wise I do see them clicking and mm-hmm. I I have hope for them. I'm anti mGK just because of that interview he did where he's like rock stars have the right to fuck underage girls that's the point of being a rock star of course i fuck 16 year olds that has been hard for me yeah. to scrape from my brain personally I, it seems like uh, most a lot of people aren't mad
0: wow this is a brand new and shocking information for me i hate that
1: yeah it's really weird it's pretty recent and somebody asked him they're like so you have sex with teenagers and he's like yeah we all do that's the point of being in a band and you're like is yeah. it is that the point I also, and I think that this is gonna be controversial, and I love women, I support women, but I I don't think that all women are above being questioned, and I don't believe that anything you do as a woman is automatically feminist. So from that stance, it has been sad to me, I think, to watch Megan Fox kind of return and get sort of that, uh, that arc where we all look back and apologize for how we treated her. The Britney Spears, the Monica Lewinsky, like, realization that as the public, we fucked her over, and I think she kind of came forth and was like, it wasn't fair, nobody took me serious as an, a- as an actress, I was just reduced to a sex object by the public, and we were all like, fair enough, try it, like, go ahead, be a- an actress, be smart, and then what she did with that platform was come back and, like, turn herself into an au- sex object in regards to her boyfriend, that has been sad yeah. for me to watch, um, that little VMA interview she did, where she's like, daddy told me to get naked, so I did it, and then also to be like, he's so talented, and I'm his girlfriend, she came back, like, she used to be a a sexy actress, and now she's a sexy plus one. I'm sad that she used this, like, new spotlight to come back as a groupie, and that, like, maybe that's wrong, but it makes me sad.
0: No, that's a really interesting thought and angle, um, because one of my notes that I wrote down, so we're talking about the MGK and Megan Fox interview that they did for British GQ, Um, and the one thing that I was first off interested in was, The fact that we don't often get these, this is like very kind of 90s, where these couples will do like a full-on photo shoot and interview about their love. Like, it's kind of a throwback.
1: It's very Um, bizarre. It's like, what are you, like the, and it's very like the project we're promoting is the project of us as a couple. Yeah, because
0: they do mention their like actual projects, like his album and, uh, you know, she's got stuff coming out, but it's very like, like blink and you miss it it was yeah it was
1: it was added as context in the same way that they would name the restaurant they're eating at exactly it's hardly the focus of the piece
0: yes so the other thing that I always like keep a close eye out on in these couple interviews is the photo shoot because regardless of who these couples are nine times out of ten it's always leaning into these like Stereotypical tropes where the guy is like this alpha male, and you know, like they're in the kitchen, and for some reason, she's in a full ball gown or whatever. Like, this can yeah. happen, but you know what I mean. But this the first picture we see is him, he's standing, she's sitting, he's wearing this like oversized, like talking head suit, and she's Kind of dressed like Betty Page, like very pinup like, and it's a black and white photo. And then she's got a gun to his dick. and she's and, naked.
1: Yeah. I and mean, she's not dressed like anybody. She has bangs, but she's, for all intents and purposes, naked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's It's just so interesting. Yeah, she really has sort of reinvented herself as his lover. And I was trying to think, because like I refuse to listen to MGK. Mm-hmm. he's just like a demon to me, but, and this was before you even told me that shocking information. Um, who do you think is the bigger star? Because I still
1: think it's Megan. Uh, okay, so that's the that's what's been so upsetting to me. It's to me, not only is she a bigger star, even in her like downtime when she went dormant and became like a wife and mother or whatever, she was mm-hmm. still more of a household name than he was. She has been more famous for longer. He, I think, has become a household name in ties to her. He's only on the cover because of her. Yeah. And I really hate that he's come out as the talent of the two. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm sad that that's getting pushed. But I have to imagine she's, this is an incredibly PR relationship. Like, this is not an accident. We didn't start following them around because we randomly caught them by the paparazzi. Like, that. it's very contrived. The Instagram captions, all of it, they're pushing forth the narrative. This is the narrative they want us to be consuming. I just don't know why he's not her little boy like they should have been like she's the star and he's just running around writing music about her. Like I don't understand. Exactly. Yeah, they
0: they treat him like he's this tortured artist when he makes pop punk. Like what are we doing
1: here? It's <laughs> like, that's what thing? kills me is it's so teenage to me. Like the ups and yeah. the downs, the it's not particularly lyrically strong. I mean, they should get Taylor Swift to come in here and kind of punch up some of their their descriptions themselves for their tattoo to be like, what is it? The dark fairy tale?
0: Uh, I I wanted to talk about this first little blurb because it really made me want to jump out of a window. Um, So the intro is, in the back room of a studio, Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox are giving each other tattoos while I watch. The Lover Bird's matching tattoos will read, The Darkest Fairy Tale, a phrase Fox, quote, she says, alludes to one of their first text messages we ever sent each other. Fox wants to get inked first because MGK has tattooed before and she'd rather not delay the pain. MGK clarifies that he's done some drunk scrawling with his tattoo gun before, but this is serious. He dips a needle in ink, presses down on the traced phrase, and looks at Fox to make sure she's okay. Fox puffs on a CBD joint to relax, and they both decide they might as well just jump into it. He starts going over stencil with the needle, pausing sometimes to take stock of his work and wipe the pen ink. God, that's sick, he says, as she looks at his handiwork. He smiles at Fox. It's going very well, but they could use more direct light. And I know that they didn't write that, but it seems like if they could, they would have, and it just made me want to puke.
1: (laughs) I'm So, okay, from all of my celebrity memoir readings, I have a, a larger theory about life and relationships and romance, and that is that in your lifetime, you will have a high school style, passionate, obsessed, highs, lows, mm-hmm. crying, screaming in the rain, crying in each other's arms at 3 a.m. relationship. And I call it like yeah. the high school relationship. And totally. if you don't get it out of the way in high school, it will find it's you later. Happen. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And it's like is, the chicken pox, like exactly. you got
1: <laughs> yes, and the earlier you get it, the less deadly it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because then like, and a good example of this is like Mariah Carey. I think her Nick Cannon relationship was her high school romance because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she came, she went straight from basically a high school virgin to being married to um. I don't, is it, not I, I, whatever, whoever she married that was the head of that record label, if you don't have that, we're 16, we're dumb in love, we're laughing at nothing, we're sending each other songs that we remind of each other, you will find you when you're 30, and Uh when you're 30, it is bad, this shit is so contrived, it's so Want to be emo? I am humiliated at the idea <laughs> that they are sitting there running Instagram captions by each other. That's what's like so funny about it is you cannot sit there and act like you're a true anarchist when you're like using emojis and sending it out to a hundred million people. Like, right. this isn't actually like dark cute love. It is like they have agents and managers who are like, oh, let me run that. <laughs> let me look over that.
0: <laughs> right. There have been several meetings, like sit down meetings, about their social media presence. I know that to be true if a dry
1: erase Um, board is involved (laughs) and how you're describing fucking your girlfriend then you are not punk (laughs) you are not radical
0: it's you are not the devil (laughs) (laughs) so you know mgk and and megan and courtney and travis kind of like run in tandem it's kind of like the chicken or the egg who came first especially because like travis and Machine Gun kelly tend to work with each other a lot yeah um do you think that Megan and Courtney like each other or do you think this is a situation like when Jay-Z and Kanye did that Watch the Throne album and Beyonce was forced to have to pretend like she liked Kim?
1: So I do don't you, think it's that bad because I actually do think it was like disrespectful of Jay-Z to ask Beyonce to do that. And I do think Beyonce was like, I do think she takes being a wife and being in that partnership very seriously. So she's like, I understand this is what I have to do for my husband, but it is a yeah. con- like a... I am conceding something. I think unfortunately that Megan and Courtney are so like dickmatized and like dumb dicked down that they are like happily watching their boyfriends like laugh and smoke weed and record and just sitting there. It's so high school to yep. me. Do you know what I mean. I don't even think I don't even think it's occurred to one of them to ask themselves, do I like this woman I'm spending all my time with? Yeah, you're, you're right. They don't pass the Bechdel test. I don't know that they've ever had a conversation about anything other than, wow, isn't this music so good?
0: Right, like, are you gonna be wearing leather pants tonight? Because I'm going to be wearing leather pants tonight. Like, exactly. right. (laughs) It is like very high school, a double pronged way of, yeah, they just seem like they're friends because of their boyfriends.
1: And listen, Um, I've been there, I don't mean to knock it because I think we've all, all we've all all had things we've been embarrassed about. I mean, I, I have a lot of humiliating stories in my back pocket about things I've done as a quote unquote girlfriend, but it makes me sad to watch these successful, beautiful women who have like children and not that thirties and forties is old. I just meant it is self-respected. Do you know what I mean? You would hope that at this age, there'd be a, a sense of self there that would pierce through any relationship. And that to me is what a good relationship is, is like when you maintain your individuality. So to watch these women be reduced from some of the most famous women in America to truly, like groupies, has yeah, been astounding.
0: Yeah, no, you're you're totally
1: right. Like all of these
0: people have children. You know, it's yes. like grow up. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> and Megan had that cool thing where she was like, you know, she was like the non-binary parent. She was down to let their children, her yeah. children, find their own gender identities and explore themselves. And she was, I bet she was like a really cool, good mom. And the fact that now she is just like the naked chick at the VMAs. I don't know, Being and not even so the only one. The fact that no, she's no. a part of a pair of groupies is even more reductive to Yeah, me.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so there was another passage that I wanted to talk about where they mention how they met. Now, they said they met twice, but they don't remember the first time. And Megan goes into this long rambling thing about how they don't remember what the other person looked like. Like, they don't remember seeing each other's faces. (laughs) Like, okay. Um, So she says, I don't remember your face. And I definitely would have remembered his face. I just remember this tall, blonde, ghostly creature. And I looked up and I was like, you smell like weed. And he looked down at me and said, I am weed. And then I swear to God, he disappeared like a ninja in a smoke bomb. I mean, kill me.
1: (laughs) Here's what I want to say about MGK. I'm looking at his face as we speak, and I cannot remember his face. No, exactly. I felt that way about Jack Harlow. Oh my god, if Jack Harlow was in my bedroom right now watching me record this, I would not know it. (laughs) um yeah it's
0: it's like if there is a gay agenda it's Lil Nas X making me forcing me into recognizing who Jack Harlow is um Jack Harlow but yeah, is less
1: he, a person he's just the idea of any teenage boy hanging out at a 7-eleven <laughs>
0: right he like kind of has bars but not really and you're yeah. like but we can let him rap for a little bit because, you know, like one time. And then, you know, he always uses the same bars over and over because he's yeah. like, oh, was fire. Um, yeah, he's he's wild to me. But uh, there, yeah, he is not attractive to me at all. I don't get it. But the MGK
1: is not really my type that, like, first of all, I'm not really into blonde guys. Oh, what about this? I saw this Insta- uh, TikTok that was like, this was him in June. This is him in August. The man is wearing extensions.
0: He has to be. Okay, the the hair looks so wild in these photo shoots.
1: And it's one thing for a photo shoot, but he's like, hold on. Next week, I'm feeling chin length and getting extension. Imagine this man who's acting like and this thing he's like I'm so tortured every day I don't know if I'll live to the next day like I'm all I care about is music blah blah blah. I don't care about anything I'm so badass you don't even know about trauma like what I've lived through anyway tomorrow tomorrow I'm getting my weave done (laughs) right (laughs) right yeah they're they're so wild
0: um I uh, it seems like he the vibe that I got was that he is just like a wild boy who's never sober and she's just like okay babe like that's just what you do like I don't know it's it just seems like he's very unhinged and she is mistaking that for a passion
1: well okay that's exactly what I was going to say I think what makes me ultimately sad is that I do so I just watched Jennifer's body and I think Megan was great in it mm-hmm. and I like, would have loved for her to get this like second chance at being not necessarily a serious actress, but an actress that's respected more than just hot. And like I would love to her, for her to have come through as an adult woman. I i don't know the details of her relationship with Brian Austin Green, but I do think when there's an age difference that large, it couldn't have been good. They were always on and off. I would have loved for her to come through mm-hmm. and like had this adult second chance. And it yeah. kind of breaks my heart that when they're talking about how there's highs, but there's also low lows, Mm-hmm. I do think she should be at an age and a maturity level where she recognizes that this is not like a good relationship. This is a passionate relationship and it's like a sexy relationship, but I, I would love for her to have a good relationship. And I don't know that she can have that with him because I think he's too addicted to the to the drama.
0: Yeah. They seem to both be mistaking intensity for like true romance.
1: And I wish they weren't selling it to the public so hard. I wish they could have just had this like little burnout relationship alone for a year. <laughs> She could have come out she was like all right got that out of my system and now on to find myself and a true partner but i,
0: I totally agree but, and i
1: did like how they kept
0: making it seem like mgk was an actor i mean i know that he's been in things but like is he good
1: I, okay when he said that he's not good with words so he had to write music that expresses his love i was like well how bad right. are you at words because right. i i mean listen <laughs> is his music his music is what I call bodega music, which is like, yeah. like Haley Steinfeld is very much in that section. Uh-huh. It's like Always a top 40, but never really a top five. Do you know what I mean? You're always like, oh, yep. I know all the words, but I couldn't tell you who sang it.
0: Yeah, it's like one day, yeah, you know all the words, but it's just like,
1: I I yeah. actively know that I didn't listen to this, but somehow... It's on in Bodega, or, like, it's, they never played at the club, but they played on the cab to the club. Yeah. (laughs) It's very Z100 filler. For sure. And I'm like, man, if that's your art, and you can't talk better than that, then you need to read more. Dark, the darkest fairy tale is some, some seventh grade poetry. No, like, legit, the, I always have this flashback
0: of high school, (laughs) And walking from one class to the other, and there were these like, you know, we had just groups of stereotypical people. So, like, there were like the goth kind of, not exactly goth. They didn't like do like full on white makeup and stuff, but they would wear like Jinkos and, yeah. and like stained shirts, like tool shirts or whatever. And I remember one time that two of them had started dating and I remember walking past them and the girl had her, his fingers in her mouth. And I'm just thinking, I'm 16. Like this is too much for me. <laughs> like,
1: I can't do this. And it, they just had like a horny goth energy. Yeah. I, I remember like hearing it. a story about a couple that were so in love, they love to like spit into each other's mouths. No. And now I guess that's pretty like, I'm like, okay, I've been tumblr into being like, that's regular. But in high school, I remember being like, oh, can't you just kiss? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I just remember feeling so uncomfortable. Oh, gosh. Um, and yeah, this reminds me of them. I, uh, their, their first date really, it's just so, it's, it is very Tumblr. He says that he picked her up in a 1974 Cadillac convertible. They listened to Ella Fitzgerald. He drove her to the Canyon's Edge where he had a friend waiting with a picnic set up with a blanket and a sea of roses. And then they drove down Sunset Boulevard To the roxy went to the roof played pop punk and made out
1: (laughs) okay so i here's something i hate i hate conspicuous consumption and dating i think the kardashians really trailblaze that and you can see the kardashian effect and like a sea of red roses why i don't think that's good for the environment i don't think it's like why can't you guys just chat and get a burger like everybody else also, I noticed that she said one of their favorite first movies that they watched together was True Romance. And that is the yeah. hallmark of a Travis Barker, I Love You. He mm-hmm. did that with Sheena Moakler famously. He did that with um, Courtney. Now, Al- like every girlfriend, they make that their movie, which is really embarrassing. Yes. If you had a favorite movie with the next, do not bring that to my house. I will kill you. <laughs> but even more embarrassing is being like, oh, my cool older friend. It's very much like my older brother does this to girlfriends, so I'm going to do it to you. He calls it the Wet Willy. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's this thing where I put my thumb in your nipples, but girls love it. My brother swore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's really so lame. So what are your predictions for them? How long do you think these crazy kids are going to make it?
1: So I think I'm giving it three on and off years. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be very Kim and Kanye in the sense that the off will be just as much on. Like they will be so tied together in the public perception that they're right. not being together, is just as much as them being together. Like even if they're seen dating other people, it's like, how does this relate to the other one? You know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, she's still gonna be in his music videos and the whole thing. Yeah,
1: it'll be very like, Megan steps out with new man to make MGK jealous. And like the new man will be like Brad Pitt, but even he's not as right. famous as their, do you know what I mean? It'll be that kind of thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, how long, what are your predictions for Courtney and Oh, wait, and oh, wait, hold
1: on. I've, oh, my God. Okay, I think then she pulls a Halsey, and she just randomly gets pregnant by some normie who, yes. like, and that's how she has to escape the toxicity, because I don't think she could pull herself out of it for anybody but a baby.
0: I, I love that. Hollywood relationships are so funny to me, because they approach them in such a different way than us normal people
1: do, and I think the money and the access has a lot to do with that. I think, think, like. The addiction to like the attention. And, and I look at a lot of reality TV couples like this. Like I watched summer house and Amanda and Kyle just got married even though they shouldn't have. Uh, I think when, you know, part of your like financial appeal to people is being in this relationship. It keeps you in it longer than you should be.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
1: All right, I'll do Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wait, let's talk about why you think they shouldn't be married kyle and amanda yeah maybe they'll be fine but i do think that there was like uh like a point where it was just like this is not worth continuing and i think if the cameras hadn't been rolling and nobody was holding them accountable i think if they were in that relationship for nothing but themselves they would have gotten out of it because it would just been too much drawing through the mud but i think they have so much to prove to everybody else that they can not break up they're also so tied with that business exactly i really do think that it just got to the point where there's like a critical mass of like I will keep this going to prove America wrong. And that is a very powerful force where if there were just two regular people in New York city and he was cheating on her regularly, I think at some point she would have said, okay, I can't do it anymore. She would have moved back home or something. And it would have ended during the pandemic.
0: Oh, a hundred percent. Like she would, have, like, if they were not on the show,
1: yeah. like,
0: cause I live in New York too. Like we know Kyle, Kyle is Murray Hill down yes. to his no Fox croquis, right? Like, yes. He like she would have found somebody else. She would have found some finance guy. They would have she would have gotten pregnant immediately and they would have moved to like wherever New Jersey. Exactly. You know? Maplewood.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or like uh, a <laughs> Bridgewood.
0: <laughs> um, I'm really interested in the winter house because in the preview, one of the new cast members says that Kyle was like trying to flirt with her.
1: Yeah, they shouldn't be together. He is somebody. He's a Peter Pan to the core who would have gotten married at 40 in normal circumstances, but now he's given this second shot at being in his 20s and 30s, and he's yep. going to milk it till the end, but he had to get married because I th- the tides turned against him, and he sensed it. And I think more than wanting to cheat on Amanda, he wants the public to love him, which meant mm-hmm. that he had to do right by her. But it's not going to change his DNA.
0: Wow. This is giving me a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so let's move on to our next topic which is Adele it's Adele season everybody are you excited about that
1: I am in a good place in my life romantically okay (laughs) I don't know that I like have the emotional bandwidth to take it like I heard the song easy on me and I had a knife ready to be like well who's been hard on you Adele give me their name Like, I'm riled up on her behalf, but yeah. I don't, I don't know that, like, I'm, like, it's touching my soul right now. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, um, and I hope it doesn't, you know? Yeah, I hope, yeah, I guess I if it does, I don't think Adele <laughs> needs me as a listener bad enough for me to, like, tank what I'm doing, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: um, so she, yeah, her album's about to come out. She did an interview, and she revealed that the, the, radio host asked her, you know, which famous people did you show your album, your records to before the release? And she revealed that it was Drake. She, he was the only famous person that she showed the music to. He told her it was like, great. You're gonna, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Mm -hmm. What do we think about this friendship? To me, it's like much like Drake to me, which is not surprising. Yeah. Yeah on the nose
1: but i'm kind of into it (laughs) yeah so my theory here because i was thinking about it and i feel like i don't could drake be respected as a musician by other musicians um and i love drake like i am (laughs) i say (laughs) this as a fan but not as a musician
0: yeah Yeah, i mean obviously he's respected in like the hip-hop world but that's a great question like outside of that and other genres i just feel like he's constantly getting like women singers tattooed and they're always horrified like celine dion was like why did you get my face tattooed on your body sade alia
1: um yeah i don't know that's a great question so my feeling is i think maybe drake has like like a labrador retriever vibe that yeah. adele was tapping into because she says she doesn't show it to many people she doesn't really ask for advice on her music she makes her music she writes it herself it's for her. She doesn't really care what you think. And so I have this feeling that like Drake is like a sweet little brother who's like, but not a little brother, like three or four years between them, a little brother that's like 15 years between them. And he just oh, like no. looks up to everything she does. And so she's just like, I'll show it to you. And he'll say it's great. Yeah. For her when she said certified lover boy was her favorite album of the year, I was like, Really? <laughs> I don't think it was anybody's favorite album of the year.
0: Yeah, it kind of, like, I feel like the hype was a lot more bombastic than people actually, like, listening to it.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like it was barely an album this year. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, the, the fuck boys all went up for way too sexy, and then I didn't hear a thing after that. So I think Drake might know his place in this situation, where if Adele plays in his music, like, I don't think he would ever actually give advice, because I think he right. knows better. you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: Yeah, completely. This is out of his wheelhouse, for sure. Um, but I, I, I like their friendship. I like the idea of their friendship. It makes a lot
1: of sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me, too.
0: Um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, so our last thing is about the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills.
1: Have you, are you a Housewives fan? I, uh, Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. So yes. what are your thoughts about this season, specifically, Erica?
1: I don't like Erica. I think what she did was bad. I read her memoir and I actually interviewed her ghost and Brian Moylan who's very funny mm-hmm. yeah. and writes the vulture recaps of the housewives which I formerly loved. I have been struggling watching him go down with her ship. Yeah yeah he's been on the show a couple times and it's been difficult to see people's opinions on him so <laughs> Yeah, it's
0: I I have not read his uh vulture recaps for this season, but I've heard enough, and I think it's just good that I keep a safe distance. We'll put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I get that like it's where your bread is buttered or whatever. Yeah, but and I read her book, and her book gives nothing. And so my thing about Erica is, don't sit around and open up now that you've been like I don't believe her. I think she's full of shit. Does did she know that her plane was being paid for? by victims, maybe not explicitly, but I also do think there was something post-pandemic where this like over the top, like capitalist, we get everything, why? Because we do, I don't, it was disgusting to begin with and now it's horrific and the way mm-hmm. she's playing it, like wow, don't ever go broke, your friends will leave you. There's never seems to be any acknowledgement from her that it's it's not that you're poor, it's that you're evil. I right. have poor friends, I don't have friends that steal from orphans, there is a huge distinction.
0: Yes, that is a that's an excellent way to put it. She, yeah, is really like poor little rich girl, and she's not reading the room, and it's very strange. It's really like, weird
1: when she keeps saying things like, "Oh, like I thought I am right or die for my friends." Listen, I'm ride or die for my friends, but I'm not very about of my friend. Like I say it, but I don't. If one of my best friends was murdering people, I would be like, "Well, I'm embarrassed that I was friends with." You. Like you know what I mean? Like right. Like, <laughs> friendship is not like a crime. Bond. I am not here to hurt people with you. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, I totally, totally agree. So Sutton just revealed that she is studying for her LSATs and that she, this whole drama with Erica has sort of. She says, I think when we finished finish this season, I was really exhausted and really tired of talking about legal stuff, but I'm starting to study with the Princeton Review for my LSATs that I'm going to take and I got a little inspired. Do
1: we love Sutton? <laughs> That's really Sutton, made the f- I am like, listen, I like Sutton as a character because I love a woman on the verge of a breakdown. And I love That's a woman who thinks that she has been through the ringer because she went through a $100 million divorce where she got more than she had ever deserved. Sutton yeah. is so goddamn lucky that she was pitched the softest softball of all time. All she had to come out and do was say, I think it's bad to steal from orphans. And we forgot about her psychotic racist stuff from the beginning to come out in 2020 2020 and say I don't see color wild I I mean Crystal I was thank God it was Crystal because she's like the only one I think will go like hard on somebody like that and she deserved to go hard on I cannot believe that we all went back to team Sutton because she had the wherewithal to say stealing from orphans is wrong (laughs) it was a low bar (laughs) I mean truly that is the morality of that of that (laughs) world is like well, listen, a little bit of racism, well, at least she doesn't think it's okay to have a private jet paid for by literal blood money. <laughs>
0: truly. yeah, i I describe myself as a slutton for justice, which is me like I, I support her, but only in her search for truth. Yes, she's very with regard to the situation.
1: You know it's funny. there's a lot of um Megan King Edmonds called.. Yes. I hated Megan King Edmonds, but yeah, you, you know what? he did not have cancer that man did what was his awful <laughs> name what was his stupid brooks brooks. Yeah. brooks did not have that cancer and so she was right and you had to be like fuck i you get so mad at the other i'm like i can't believe i'm being put in a position where i have to root for these dumb bitches but unfortunately right. like, <laughs> <dare> you <laughs>
0: yeah you're totally right um i thought this was like a funny thing to say because clearly like erica's not fucking with sutton so yeah, if you want to, like, troll her a little bit by being like, yeah, this has really prompted me to get into law, then go for it, I guess.
1: You know she thinks she's Elle Woods. Like, in her head, she looks at herself <laughs> and she's like, Elle Woods. And it's scented, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm excited. I hope, you know, maybe she and, and Kim
0: K can get together and do... The baby bar, sort of- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I have to say <laughs> Sutton is Sutton to me is the definition of there's a difference between fashion and style
0: oh one thousand if I have to see her in one more damn Dolce and Cabana overly rhinestone like shift dress I'm gonna scream
1: I've never seen someone spend so much money to look so bad it's it's
0: yeah it's offensive it's offensive
1: like <laughs> why can't she put together an outfit like why is everything wrong I don't know, I feel that way about Katie Maloney from
0: Vanderpump Rules, neither of these women, and this is no shape, no shade to their bodies, is that- Yes, yes. but Regardless so, yes. of your body shape, you just have to dress for your body. It's yes. nothing about weight, it's, and neither of them know what their body's doing, so. Well, yeah. I think
1: Sutton does, because she knows she has those, she is very Humpty Dumpty shaped, and that she's got like the skinniest little legs and arms you've ever seen. Yes. But unfortunately the way she tries to show this off ends up being like too young. Like she's always wearing like itty bitty booty shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like a button down with like a full bedazzled bib, like a, like a necklace collar bib. And you're just like, uh-huh. button, it's a lot. It's a lot for a walkthrough of your unfinished home.
0: <laughs> that's, that's the rich Georgia woman jumping out of her. Yes. I know that's true. Cause I grew up there. Um, <laughs> you it, know and yeah. katie
1: maloney really shined though when they decorated that god-awful industrial style apartment where they were like if all of the if wires oh are just hanging out then that's the style <laughs>
0: <laughs> they really tried to make that dump look like they were literally like the on the set of friends like god help them um are you enjoying this season of vanderpump
1: I'm only one in... I think I am, because I do like it when they're, like, truly insane and they don't know why. I think an interesting thing that has happened to reality TV this year is that we forget it was filmed during a pandemic when everybody was ab- about to have a nervous breakdown. hmm So I hate when, like, the storyline's contrived. I love it when it comes from legitimately unhinged behavior. <laughs> and I think because we were all pushed to the emotional edge during the pandemic, like, we were all on about to blow. And I think we're really benefiting from that in these seasons of of real, uh, reality tv because everybody is insane and they don't know like hannah burner i think was the first victim of oh. this mm-hmm. <laughs> where she acted so crazy on summer house and i was like in all fairness i also was crying seven or eight times a day at that period like august 2020 <laughs> i wasn't doing good and True. i True. am lucky there was not a camera crew to catch me be Literally like I was just crying at dinner. Like, you know and I was just crying all the time?
0: <laughs> well, let's cut this short before you make me I'm empathize s- for Hannah Berner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm um, so sorry. I like ran so long. Thank you so
0: much. This was so much fun. Um, tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Well, my podcast is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. We read a different book every week. So check it out. And then my Instagram handle is Claire the Scare. Perfect. Well, you have a lovely day. Thank you so much for having me, this was so fun. Yeah, bye girl. Bye. Let me just stop recording.
0: I heard that you're not the same person that you were a year ago downstairs. Who said that? Robin. You damn right, I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Cause we grow, we evolve as women. We evolve. And if she's the same person she was a year ago, then she needs to change. She needs to mother evolve. Welcome back, friends. Did you miss us? Wasn't that long. Sort of. Wendy might not miss you, but I missed you. I overheard your conversation. So she came up and reported it. Oh, Oh, what was the conversation? That Wendy is
1: not the same person she was a year ago?
0: I said our friendship is not what it was over a year ago. When I met her, I thought, you know, we clicked. And I'm kind of thinking maybe I was wrong. That's completely different than what you said, Mia. You're not good at telephone. It's the Mia's dictionary. Mia, we're going to work on telephone tag. Mia likes to embellish a little bit on the stories and the things that she hears. I would love for you to explain to me why the moment I left the house, you said, she's a weak bitch. Who said that? But when did she say that? You did. I didn't say that. Well, that's what I, I interpreted that. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, Mia. You got to love Mia for who she is. That thing is a space cadet. OK? We love you, Mia. <laughs> if I was wrong, then I'm wrong. And I'm woman enough to say I was wrong. Amen. All right, let's talk about the latest episode of The Real Housewives of Potomac. Um, Wow, I mean, just coming off of another explosive episode due to Candace's um, outbursts and, oh, Lord, help us all. So, we're at the restaurant, everybody's leaving after the fight between Candace and Ashley, kind of the fight between uh, Candace and Mia, and everybody hops into the sprinter. Now, Gordon, Mia's husband... Uh, he's still drunk, unfortunately. And he says that he's going to bed because the guys want to play spades. But Gordon's like, you know, I'm I'm going to go to bed and uh, have sex with my wife or whatever. And then he says, well, gosh, I thought I just kept that thought in my head. I meant to, I didn't mean to say that out loud. And then he gives everybody a visual of what his penis is like or the er- erection, so to speak. and, you know, just felt like he got too comfortable very quickly. Um this turned into a conversation about Chris and his dick and the state of his penis and the color and the shade of his penis and the warm winter tones I guess that are emanating from from it and oh gordon god help us so chris then gets up and like pretends like he's about to take off his pants to show everybody that his penis is in fact brown um candace freaks out there's some uh you know close-ups and freeze frames of candace looking horrified at her husband and getting up and trying to restrain him and then somehow gordon takes the lead and he tries to take his pants off and he happens to be sitting at, at, with, next to Eddie at this point, And Eddie's like, I just want to go home. I, I don't like this. I, <laughs> What's happening? I don't know. It appears that like good vibes only, the GVO of, of it all, might not stand for good vibes only and might just stand for like Gordon's Viagra overdose. I don't know what's happening. But this man does not need to be anywhere near, like Shirley Temple's from now on. He can't handle his drink. You guys, Ashley Darby needs to be some sort of politician or have some sort of career that involves lying with a straight face for money because you're not going to find anybody other than her, but anybody better than her. She says in a confessional, you guys can say what you want about Michael, but at least he knows how to conduct himself around people that he just met. <laughs> Thank you to the editors. For honestly being incredibly uh, restrained, I think in the showing of the footage by showing a clip of Michael in season one on a boat with his pants off, about as much as Gordon's and Chris' Chris's were. And you know what? We all know how much further he took that. So the fact that she would even she's so bold. <laughs> Ashley Ashley Darby is a real study. And I don't know what, but she needs to be studied and investigated. And I just, the, whatever trauma has led to these skills of defending people like Michael and acting like we see the good in him, like she supposedly allegedly does. It's just incredible. Honestly, somebody needs to look into that. So Giselle and Robin, who were hot under their leggings last week because they, the two people who specifically told Wendy that they were not coming on this trip and then decided at the very last minute to show up and then got upset because the room, which happened to be the last room available because everybody else picked out their rooms, uh, just absolutely horrified to discover that that room, the only one left was a room without an attached bathroom. So they're just like so annoyed, but they decide to find her another hotel. It's clear that at this point nobody feels bad for them, (laughs) for showing up last, and they decided to leave. So Chris is in the bedroom with Candace, drunk, with his gray tank top on inside out, talking about how Like, Candace, I had a moment with Ashley while I was cleaning up all that romaine that you threw across the kitchen earlier. We were making some kind of inroads with one another. We were being perfectly pleasant. And then here you go at dinner having to ruin shit. And I just need you to know that Ashley is a provoker, you know? But the thing is, you fed into that. You know what kind of woman she is, she's not bad but she provokes and she pokes and you fell right into that trap and you know look at you now and then he says listen i don't understand why you don't really like ashley because she's not that bad of a person like she's not great (laughs) but she's not that bad and candace admits that she thinks that ashley forehead darby in her words is actually yeah not that bad of a person and that they, they she and uh Chris pinky promise that they are going to be good vibes only for the rest of the weekend. Just to be clear for the next 48 hours tops, she will be good. <laughs> no, no promise on what's going to happen mid morning on Monday. Um, so then the next morning, Giselle and Robin leave. They didn't really say anything to anybody except for Escala and Karen, who really just happened to catch them leaving. Um, Wendy and Eddie, however, saw them leaving from their bedroom window and were just like, well, she's not saying anything to us. So we're not going to follow after her. So the next morning, Wendy, Eddie, and Karen are talking about how they just don't even want to talk about Giselle and Robin leaving because it was lame You know, and Giselle, Karen says that Giselle leaving in the middle of the night was actually tackier than the way she dresses, which, you know, we all know how serious that is. And she's not wrong. So then later, Ashley decides to FaceTime in the kitchen in front of everybody, Giselle and uh, Robin and Giselle goes on her diatribe again about how unfair it was and Karen walks up and basically calls BS on Giselle and why she didn't say goodbye to everybody before she left. And so Giselle says, well, Wendy didn't say shit to me when I got here. So in my mind, Wendy wasn't the host. So Wendy's sitting at the kitchen table, she gets up and hears her name and says, no, 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 no. Like, you're lying because... The host came in and greeted you which she absolutely did we saw that her thanking them multiple times her dodging ducking and dodging the shade that they were throwing and saying thank you for coming and being polite anyway and when Wendy walks away from the phone Giselle says oh you're so angry and Wendy says no you're confrontational (laughs) so later Ray arrives and Karen downloads him on What Happens. And I just love when Ray arrives somewhere because he never says, like, hi, how are you doing? Or seems any sort of excited to see Karen. He's just like, okay. 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 Oh, you're going to hug me now? Okay. Karen's like, oh, it was so great to see you. I missed you so much. I can't live without you. The bed was empty with you there. I felt the missing remnants of your presence. And he's just like, Okay. <laughs> Ray really cracks me up. Um, So Karen is basically like, okay, well, you read your book last night. That's great. Great that you had all that downtime because while you were spending time reading, the women were awful to each other. They threw salad at each other. In the afternoon, they got into it at dinner at night and it was just a hot mess and everybody's fighting and Giselle's not here. Um, You know, so... She's not out here being a tacky bitch as usual, so, you know, how was your ride? (laughs) So, Ray's horrified. He's like, I I can't believe I missed this. What was going on? He, He can't believe it. And later everybody gathers up because they're about to go on a boat trip, so they're all meeting up to wait for the bus and <laughs> Ray says, gets to say hi to everybody. Cause everybody, you know, Giselle and Robin get back from the hotel and they're all kicking it. Ray says, hi, he greets everybody. He goes to greet Giselle and he's like, Oh, you have a boot on. And she's like, yeah, I broke my toe. Your wife did it to me. <laughs> Ray had a good night's sleep that night. Cause he cracking jokes. He turns to Karen and says, Giselle just told me that you broke her toe. How did you miss her neck? <laughs> and you have to laugh at that because that, that was a good one. In a confessional, Giselle says, I like Ray. He's enjoyable. So I want Ray to live so that I can laugh at him. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen So everybody gets on the boat most of them are upstairs and escala and robin are downstairs talking about robin's situation her relationship dynamic with wendy and how she feels like they got along really well in the beginning like a year ago but now she's wondering if maybe she regrets liking her so quickly so there are little nibbles little food like charcuterie cheeses and fruits so mia goes down to where Robin and Escala are and happens to hear while she's, you know, getting her little cubed brie or whatever, Robin say the part about how Wendy was different or what she interprets it as Robin saying that Wendy was a different person last year. That's not what she said. What she said was their relationship, their friendship dynamic was different. So Mia and her size 11 feet. (laughs) Let me not get into that. I don't here's the thing is that Candace brings these things out and then I'm focused. Every picture I see of, of Mia. Now I'm looking at her feet and they are big. I mean, listen, I'm like a size seven, but I'm only five feet tall. Mia looks quite tall. So a size 11 foot is like big, but it's not that big. Right. I don't think it's like so wild anyway. But now I'm like, I feel bad. Cause I'm looking at her feet. I'm focused on it. Like uh, fucking, Austin Powers, when he sees that guy with the mole and keeps calling him moly, 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 like, at feet. So when those pictures came out, oh, should we time out and talk about their reunion pictures? The theme was all pink. Everybody looked beautiful. Um, and Giselle did good for Giselle. I have to say, I the picture, I it wasn't giving. But then when I looked at the full moment and realized that what she was wearing was a jumpsuit, I almost liked it more still on the fence though anyway um but yeah i was looking at that picture of mia at the reunion and was like god all i wanted to look at it was her feet and that made me sad anyway robin goes on to tell scala that she really wasn't feeling like angry about the um the bedroom she doesn't really think it was a malicious choice on wendy's part but she still feels like Wendy wasn't being a good host by not thinking about everybody's accommodations. Meaning when you rented the house, like you should have made sure that every bedroom had a bathroom. Okay. Sh- okay, sure. <laughs> so like I said, Mia overheard Robin talking to Escala. when she gets upstairs. She turns to Wendy and says, so I hear that you're not the same person that you were a year ago. And Wendy says, she goes on this whole speech about how, yeah, I'm not the same person a year I was a year ago. Who told you that? Oh, Robin just said that. Okay, well, if Robin's the same person than she was a year ago, then she needs to change. Because, yeah, I have changed and I'm proud of it. So we should all change over the years. Um, so Robin and Escala finish their conversation. And they're like, Wendy goes to Robin and says, well, I heard you said that I changed over the last year. And Robin says, who told you that? And they're like, Mia. She's like, Mia, that's not what I said. What I said was our friendship has changed over the past year. <laughs> and now everybody's like, Mia, you've done it again. You're really, really bad at playing telephone. So <laughs> Mia's like, well, yeah, okay, shrug. Yeah, you're right. Y'all caught me. I, I got it. I I did that. I did get that wrong. At least I can admit that, I'm, that I was wrong. So Wendy says, Listen, some people you have in your life and you just have to place them in a certain place. So while you guys might have an issue with me, if there's a conversation, Robin and Giselle, that needs to be had between us, then I'm happy to have it. So then Wendy turns to Giselle and basically says, the house was booked before you broke your toe. There was no malicious intent. Everybody else got to pick out their room. And then Giselle tries to turn it around like, okay, everybody pick out the room. I can't complain about this anymore. So she changes the goalpost like she's wont to do and says, well, nobody checked in on me in the group chat to see if I was okay. If we had gotten to the hotel safely, except for you, Ascala, you did, but nobody else did. How many people Y'all are in a group chat? Does everybody need to individually ask you if you got there? Okay. They can all see it. What do you mean? She's <laughs> like a Viva Dresher telling, <laughs> calling Sonia and Ramona white trash because they didn't hang up a banner for her because she was afraid to fly. And the banner said, rah, rah, viva, you did it. (laughs) Do you guys remember that? (laughs) She actually wanted them to to make a banner for her going on a lavish vacation because she didn't want to take a, a puddle jumper. Girl. So Karen jumps in and says, we all saw the message girl. We didn't all feel the need to check in on you. And then Robin starts talking about how she just didn't think it was appropriate because the other bathrooms available were bathrooms that were accessible by everybody, specifically the other husbands and that she didn't want to have to use those bathrooms because she's a germaphobe and she didn't want those men peeing all over her floor. So then they do a flash uh, close up on all the guys who are like, what the hell is she talking about? Chris is hungover. and was like, I didn't pee on the floor. Ray's like, I definitely didn't do that. I just got here. Gordon looked a little guilty. You know, Gordon does seem like a like a pee on the seat kind of guy. Right. And then Robin says that she's fine. And Giselle makes some shady comment like, well, yeah, I'm good. And Wendy's like, yeah, well, we've been good. And so then Giselle wants to play the victim and act dumb and act like Wendy's always combative with her. And she says, Wendy says, well, you're always a mean girl and you're always a bully. (laughs) So then Robin starts getting annoyed about, do we have to have this conversation in front of the husbands? Like, don't they think this is kind of bullshit? And all the guys were like, no, we're good actually. (laughs) (laughs) Like we know when to insert ourselves and when to not. And Ray says most of the time it's a not and no, we're all fine. We're actually all good, but actually now we're going to go downstairs and play spades. So again, in a confessional, Ashley says, oh, I'm just so glad I didn't bring Michael because he would have been so pissed about being on this boat and hearing these women have this conversation. Nobody gives a fuck about Michael. Let's just be clear. We're all very grateful. The fact that we even had to see his gargoyle looking ass in a flashback with some hyper-colored boxers and to see him looking like a creepo um, on FaceTime later was just like, yuck, you know, that was enough. No more Michael Darby 2022. Speaking of, there was a conversation, and I didn't put this in my notes, but there, speaking of that FaceTime that Ashley and Michael have, Michael starts to talk about how the boys slept well, or the, the second one, Dylan, was that his name? Dylan, the baby, slept well, um, but that, I was going to call him Derek. Dean, the first one, was being naughty or something, so he called him bad. He's like, I told him he was a bad, bad boy. And Ashley says, we don't do good or bad in this house. Like, I don't want to use those terms. Please don't use those terms. And in a confessional, she says that these are kind of the moments where she realizes that they're different generations, that they have different ways of doing things. And that can be true to a certain extent, but to me, that was just a glaring example of how these two don't communicate. Like, I understand that a lot of times especially when it comes to kids, you're on the fly. You're both figuring it out at the same time. And there need to, there are going to be moments where you're like, Oh, I would do something this way. You would do something the other way. We need to talk about this and be on the same team. Right. But the conversation about like good and bad seems like something that they should have had by now. Right. And to me, it just points to the fact that Ashley is on this journey of raising the kids on her own. And, like, in a way, I want to be sad about that and be empathetic to her, but in another way, I don't because she made this choice. You know, she left Michael. She had her chance to leave and she made the choice to stay and to continue to have children with him. So, you know, it is what it is. So then the husbands, like I said, they go downstairs to play spades and. Somebody asks if the situation between Wendy and Giselle and Re- Robin is resolved. And then says, like <laughs> Wendy says, We were just talking. Oh, it was it was Candace who asked. Um So Wendy tells them, like, hey, Mia, Candace, if you guys want to talk about resolving things, then maybe you guys should resolve something between the two of you, right? And so they start to have their conversation. Mia says to Candace, obviously I said something that struck a nerve with you, but I never want to be responsible for putting negative energy on somebody. So I own that and I'm sorry. And I apologize for asking questions that were none of my business. So Candace says, thank you. But it really wasn't so much her about Mia having a conversation with uh, Dorothy about whether or not Chris gets paid or whatever, that it was really more about her calling her music video low budget And then Candace starts to get emotional and says that it's triggering for her because she works really hard to live out this dream and how important it is to her and how she also has the insecurities of not knowing if she's doing everything right. And she's scared about how it's going to be received. And so Mia apologizes and says, you know, like, I'm going to be mindful of your boundaries. I hear you and I get it. So then Candace says, thank you. And to you, I just wanted to know, or I wanted to let you know that I wasn't aware that you had stuff going on with your mom. And honestly, when I said your mom is low budget, I didn't realize that it was pushing a button that was traumatic within you. So then Mia tells Candace that she would just prefer, like, if you're going to attack me, then attack me. Keep it to me. Don't talk about my mom. Because, listen... She is a recovering addict. She did her time in jail. She's been sober for 10 years. She wakes up and she reads her Bible every day. And I just don't want her to be hurt by comments and to be involved in situations that don't have anything to do with her. So then Mia gives more insight into her mom's um, time in jail and says that during the eight years that she was locked up, both of her parents passed away. She was not able to attend their funerals. And Giselle says, oh, but I thought that inmates do get to go to the funerals. They get a pass or whatever. So Mia is like, well, she did, but she was going to have to go to those funerals in shackles. They weren't going to let her not be in the shackles. And so she just didn't want to go to a funeral like that, which I think is totally fair. I mean, gosh, what a that's heartbreaking. Like it's heartbreaking enough that she was in jail. And while I understand on some level that there's a protocol and a safety issue, I guess, and you want to make sure that, you know, we all know how the prison industrial complex, basically you want to make sure that your um, product comes back to you, so to speak, and, or your investment rather. Um, So I understand The shackles thing, but gosh, to even have to use the word shackles is just so, ugh. And the fact that she had to make that choice between being able to mourn her parents in a traditional way and then having to sit there in jail, knowing that she doesn't want to be humiliated and doesn't want to cause more to the situation, it's just sad. That's just such a sad thing to have to make a choice on. So Candace says, listen, I've had my own difficulties with my mom. I can't imagine what you've had to go through. Um, and I'm grateful that you've given me this information about who you really are. So Mia is obviously crying at this point, And Candace says, girl, don't worry about the tears. We all cry in this group. And a, a couple people at the same time are like, it's some of us more than others, Candace. Triangle Candace. And so then everybody gets off the vote, back onto the sprinter, and everything seems like it's okay. Uh Ashley is in the back row and she's got the window seat. And so she's, you know, just propped her head up against the window and is closing her eye, resting her eyes, if you will. And her mouth was a little bit open. So Gordon, the 13 year old boy that he is, decides to tell everybody, hey, guys, look at Ashley. She's sleeping. Look at how funny she's looking. Oh, my God, her mouth is open. (laughs) Ha ha ha. LOL. Ashley, it turns out, was actually awake. And she opens her eyes and is like, why, you know, why are you doing this? And she tells Gordon to, like, mind his business and stay on your side of the bus. And so Gordon, again, like a middle school boy, was like, well, uh, I wouldn't have said anything if, if I had known that you were actually awake. But, you know, it is still funny. You look funny. <laughs> and Ashley in a confessional is like, I don't have time for this. You could tell since the moment she and Gordon, since she got there and she knew Gordon was lit up, you could tell she'd been like, I, this is not for me. He is not for me. I'm a little bit annoyed by him, but she ate that. And, but you could see it on her face. And now she's just like, okay, now that you're actually directing this like weirdo, immature behavior on me, like leave me alone. She says, I don't really get time away from my kids. If I just want to take a little rest, I should be able to do that without being made fun of, which is fair. And frankly, Gordon irks. (laughs) And I just want him to leave me alone. And so then Gordon says, well, you know, yeah, you do look really funny. And Ashley's like, why don't you just stop talking to me? Because you're saying this funny, but your definition of fun is a little bit warped. And I want to be left alone. So I am here for this. Somebody had to say it. (laughs) And I'm kind of glad it's Ashley. We'll see where this goes. And uh, yeah, that'll be the end of the episode for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you.